Hi everybody, welcome back. This is Carol Topp, uh, Homeschool CPA, uh, recording another podcast here on the Dollars and Cents show. I've titled this one, What Leaders Don't Know That Could Hurt Them. This is the second part. Hopefully I'm going to do about six of these things that homeschool leaders don't know that could hurt them. The first one I talked about non-profit status, what that meant. And I touched on the topic where I'm going to focus on today, tax-exempt status. And particularly what homeschool leaders might not know is that applying for tax-exempt status is a whole lot easier than it used to be. I was talking to a homeschool leader recently, and she said, well, we didn't want to go through this whole tax-exempt filing status because we talked to some lawyers five years ago and they said it was so difficult and a lot of paperwork and not worth it because we hardly made any profit. So they were filing um, tax returns and paying it. Well, I said, no, your your lawyers are out of date. I got to tell you that tax-exempt status, the application to become tax-exempt is so much easier than it used to be. Yay! Uh, back in, let me think, I think it was 2014, kind of forget my dates here, it's all a blur after a while, the IRS came up with a form called 1023-EASY. Okay, now Form 1023 is the form that nonprofits had to file to get uh, 501c3 tax-exempt status. 501c3 is the most popular tax-exempt status. It is the one that encompasses religious organizations, charitable organizations, tons of those, educational organizations, that's where homeschool groups fit, as well as a few other little things, but those are the biggies. Charities, religious organizations, and educational organizations are all 501c3s. And you used to have to file this huge, long, horrible form (laughs) called the Form 1023. It's 26 pages long. It's a beast. A beast. Well, it, and it was taking so long for the IRS to get through these applications. They were they were incredibly backlogged. Uh, like uh, it would take, I don't know, six or nine months to get your tax exempt status back from them. It was crazy. So they introduced this easy form, and it is wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. It is wonderful. I love this form. It's gone from 26 pages down to three three pages. That's it. It's available online only. The 1023 Easy is only an online form. So you sit there and type it in, hit send, and you've applied. Um, Not everybody can use it. Let me back up and say not everybody is eligible for this easy form. Only small organizations. And the IRS defines small in terms of dollars. Like they always define everything in terms of dollars. So if your organization has annual gross revenues of less than $50,000 a year, then you are probably eligible to use the 1023 easy. There's a few more caveats on that, like uh, uh, $50,000 or less in annual revenues uh, you know, this year and three years into the future. So in other words, if you're small, less than $50,000 a year in gross revenues, and you expect to stay small, and they look out th- three years, they want you to estimate what's going to happen three years in the future, then you can use this 1023 easy. There's some other eligibility stuff. I'm not going to go into all that, but you can go Google Form 1023 easy eligibility, if you know how to spell that word. <laughs> look up the form, look up the instructions to the Form 1023 easy, and you'll find an eligibility checklist Okay, to see if your organization is eligible. 
Okay, but, but the, the first big, most important question is how much is your annual gross revenues? Okay, so if you are eligible to use it, like I said, it's a wonderful thing. It's only three pages long, not 26. It's online. They do not ask for financial information. So in the long 1023 application, you have to give them a financial statement. Where does your income come from? Where does it go? You know, spelled out in categories and, you know, projected out for a few years. And Yeah, okay. No one likes to put together financial statements. But with the 1023-EZ, you don't give the IRS any financial information. You just check a box that says, I bring in less than $50,000 a year in my gross annual revenues. Okay. Um, let's see. What else? They also do not require to see your um, organizing documents, your articles of incorporation, your bylaws, nothing. They have you fill out some checklists again. Uh, check the box, you know, that you have this statement in your organizing document and things like that. Um, if you're my client and you want my help using uh, – applying for this form 1023-EZ, I'm going to ask to see some documents to make sure that they have all the language that the IRS requires to be in your organizing document. And that is your articles of association or your articles of incorporation that you filed with the state when you became a nonprofit corporation. Want to know more about that? Listen to the previous podcast. Okay, talked about that. I'm going to ask to see that paperwork because I want to make sure you as my client uh, are really eligible and uh, for 501c3 status and basically have your ducks in a row. I'm also going to ask to see a financial statement. Even though the IRS might not require it to be submitted, I want to see it because I want to help. I want assurance that you really bring in less than $50,000 a year and plan to. And I just like to see that, um, y you know, the organization is, is – um, how, how, where they're getting their money from and where it's going out and what their record keeping looks like and maybe I can help them get a little better that way. Okay. Um, it's, um, let's see, what else do I want to talk about? So there, there is eligibility. Like I said, not everybody's eligible, but a lot of small homeschool groups are, and that's good. You apply online, three pages long. They don't ask for your articles of incorporation or your bylaws. They don't ask for financial statements. But I will tell you, that they they do ask some questions and these questions might be a little confusing to you so the service i offer is that i like i said i um i have you fill out a shorter checklist eligibility checklist and, and a little bit of a questionnaire i ask to see your financial statements and which is you know a projection of where your income comes from and where your expenses go or if you've been around a while actual income and expenses and your organizing documents um, and then we hop on the phone together, make an appointment. We hop on the phone together and you're sitting in front of your computer, type, type, typing into the, um, IRS website for this form 1023 easy. And I go over it line by line with you and we discuss what the IRS is asking and put in the appropriate answers. Okay. I know somebody, I know of three times this has happened actually, where an organization decided to file on their own. Decided that my my fee, uh, which is is not unreasonable in my opinion, for for what I give you, it's a two hundred fifty dollars is what I charge to walk you through the whole application, make sure you're eligible, sit with you on the phone, um, talk to the IRS if they 
if they need talking to um, and follow up with some other information. But anyway, so these folks wanted to save some money and um, filed on their own. Well, three times in the past two years, like I said, since this form came out, um, they've contacted me afterwards because um, they checked the wrong box somewhere along the line on one of the questions in the IRS classified them um, quite differently from who, what they meant. It's just horrible. And now to fix it, to get to get the IRS to understand what their organization really is instead of what they misunderstood and checked the wrong box, took a lot more paperwork. <sighs> now they had to give uh, specific information like those financial statements and uh, write letters to the IRS and a long process. I think there's one group that's still waiting three months. Let's see. Yeah, three months after we wrote a letter saying, uh, sorry, whoops, made a mistake. Um, can you fix it? <sighs> and they are still haven't heard back from them. Any rate, it's, 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 it's unfortunate. I wish they had just, you know, um, <laughs> hired me in the first place or hired somebody or asked or something. You know, what does this question mean? In other words, folks, don't do this on your own. Um, although the 1023 easy is much easier, the fact that it's online might make people feel like there's some pressure to just go ahead and, you know, answer the questions even if they don't know what they mean. If you don't know the questions it's asking, save off, log out, make an appointment with me to talk about it. I've got an appointment um, next week for, to talk to somebody because she has questions on filling this form. I'm so glad that she is going to talk to me about it instead of trying to do it on her own, making a mistake. Okay. Oh, last thing. I didn't tell, I told you what my fee was. I didn't tell you what the IRS fee was. Yes, the IRS does charge a fee. They lowered it, which is good news. Uh, they used to charge $400 uh, for organizations who wanted to apply for 501c3 tax-exempt status using the Form 1023-EZ. Sorry to throw all the little numbers at you. Uh, they used to charge $400. They dropped the fee to $275. Now, that's much more affordable, isn't it? It means you can afford more of my fee. Um, so anyway, that's what it takes to get a 501c3 tax-exempt status if you're eligible. It's really, um, I think, it's a wonderful program. There are some people that are critical of it. They think it's not good that the IRS isn't asking a little more information from groups. They think it might be too easy for unqualified groups to get taxed and status. But i got to tell you, if you're my client, I'm going to make sure that you're eligible. I'm going to make sure that you know what you need to know and do what you need to do to be successful in getting your 501c3 tax-exempt status. Hey, I hope this was helpful. This was number two of uh, things that homeschool group leaders don't know that can hurt them. And let's see, what are we going to talk about next time? We're going to talk about the annual uh, reports you have to give at the IRS. That might be helpful because if you don't know about that, you're, oof, you can have, you can kind of be in a heap of trouble. So uh, tune in to Homeschool CPA podcast uh, on the Dollars and Cents show next time. Hope this was helpful. Bye, everybody. Homeschool leader, do you feel confused or overwhelmed by the job of running your homeschool group? You're not alone. Carol Topp, the homeschool CPA, is here to help. Carol is an accountant, author, and retired homeschool mom who understands you. Her website has helpful information on co-ops, paying workers, and managing the money in a homeschool group. If you need personalized advice, set up a consultation with Carol. She's happy to discuss your particular situation. Visit homeschoolcpa.com today and get the information you need to successfully run your homeschool group.